What's up, everybody, and welcome to Super Stonk Brothers number 12. Today, we are going to be talking about Twitter. Now, many of you may be rolling your eyes. Twitter? Why Twitter? Isn't, is not is that a growth play? Is that something that could be worth lots of money? And to that, I will say a highly speculative yes, absolutely, <laughs> in a very mm. speculative way. But mm. um, <laughs> Not sure I agree with that, Joe, a.k.a. Macro right. uh, 108. Well, I'm I'm just saying in a very speculative way, but okay. uh, just to introduce ourselves, you have myself, Macro 108, aka Joe Kim, and Steve Pally. We are here to talk to you guys about different stocks for your entertainment, not as investment advice, of course. Always huge <laughs> grains of salt, you know, yes. massive. So I thought we could first start by talking about Twitter's financials and. Just high level, as you can see here, when we look at the last three years, 2018, 2019, and 2020, a few things to note about some of the financial characteristics of Twitter. First, that from a top line perspective, they have been growing, but the growth has not been super great. You'll notice that most of their advertising comes through advertising services and this other area called data licensing and other. And basically, this is from... Uh, third parties that take the Twitter data and use it for various types of analysis. Mm -hmm. So that's also a, you know, it's, it's not a main, it's, it's, it's a contributing factor, but not a huge portion of their revenue. So a big, and, a big use case would be for hedge funds in particular, right? Cause they're looking for that real time data to trade against. Among yeah, others. I'm not actually, yeah, I'm not actually sure, but I, I would imagine certainly that would potentially be one, one of the applications. Yeah. The other thing to kind of notice in terms of the financial is in terms of the cost of re revenue. And we've seen a you know, fairly steep increase in terms of you know, almost 40% over the, from the 2018 to 2020 in terms of cost of revenue and just big increases as far as various costs in terms of R&D, you know, sales and uh, G&A. So I, my, my belief is that just kind of looking at the high level without knowing the specifics, it would seem that one of the things to be wary about is just control of cost. Now, Twitter is based in San Francisco and certainly have a lot of costs in terms of labor and things of that nature, but it doesn't seem like uh, costs are being managed in a very efficient or effective way, would be my, my guess. Yeah, well, you see costs basically scaling at the same rate or faster than revenue growth, which is not what you want to see, right? <laughs> Right. This is a relatively mature business as well. So yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> the other thing to note is here, it's going to be hard to do uh, comps based upon net income, at least, because we're seeing that there's, there's this big skew in terms of, you know, a, a billion dollars either way in 2019 and 2020 related to uh, income taxes, provision for income tax expense. And so kind of digging through the, the 10K in terms of what happened there, you know, in 2020, we recognized a provision for income taxes of $1.1 billion related to the establishment of a valuation allowance against deferred tax assets of a foreign subsidiary, 2019 recorded income, blah, 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 uh, uh, deferred tax, tax assets from intra-entity <laughs> transfers of intangible assets, meaning I think this is 
one of those things that when you when you hear from the Biden administration, one of the things they're trying to clamp down on is these, you know, setting up foreign entities, transferring IP and paying lower taxes and things of that nature. Now, that's what it sounds like this is. It's kind of unclear to me and not being kind of a tax. Again, we're, we're weekend warriors, guys, if you're in the audience, but it does sound like this is this is a little bit of a tax dodge. Yeah. And um, to be clear, every major corporation does this, which is why Biden wants right. to clamp down on it. It would be an easy... Right well, easier way than passing a tax increase um, to just make more money, which the government needs right now. Um, right. Now, when we think about on a valuation perspective, um, one thing that we wanted to do here is just kind of bring up some of the other competitive benchmarks with respect to other social networks. So we've got Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and Snap. And so from a market cap perspective, we can see that Twitter is being valued roughly on par with Pinterest and clearly much less than Facebook or Snap. Um, from a, certainly from price to sales, it's more in line with Facebook relative to Pinterest or Snap, which are being valued much more highly on a uh, revenue or sales perspective. And then I would say that, um, you know, enterprise value to EBITDA, it's you know, I, I think that they're relatively on that basis. And, and again, it's, I, I think, you know, there's only so many conclusions you can draw using comps, but, you know, it's not like they're being valued crazily at this point, um, probably, you know, less aggressively, which would account for probably less aggressive assumptions in terms of their growth and future potential profitability relative to companies like, for example, Pinterest or Snap. Yeah, it's it's being valued more like a value stock, uh, like Facebook, which is a mega cap, right? Twitter obviously isn't. Um, and while, uh, as you say, Pinterest and Snap are still very much in that growth zone. And the reason for that is very, very simple. Um, yeah, Pinterest and Snap have both outgrown Twitter. Um, and they're newer companies too. Twitter is more of a Facebook-like vintage. It's been around for longer. So I think investors yeah. are just generally less excited about it, right? Right. Now, we don't have exact numbers in terms of growth and downloads of in, in terms of the various services, but at least we could pull and look at the mobile data. And just using mobile data as a proxy, what I pulled here is a market share graph looking since like January 2017 to today, in terms of those, those competitors, right? Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and Snap. And we can kind of see that actually, you know, Facebook is starting to erode, right? Like we're starting to see mm -hmm. Facebook kind of drop relative to Snap and Pinterest and uh, Twitter. Now it does seem like in terms of the most growth, it's probably Pinterest and then you know, actually Twitter on a relative basis has, has gained a little bit of share as well. Mm -hmm. um, just looking over the past couple of years, and this is from their, uh, their latest quarterly uh, filing, is that what we're seeing is that from a mon what they're calling monetizable daily active usage, um, that's grown fairly steadily. And, and the, the difference in terms of what they call MDAO versus DAO, so DAO was just daily active users, and, but the way that they try to account for, for example, bot accounts and other accounts, which they uh, won't be able to monetize, right. is by calling it monetizable daily active usage. And so, uh, I know so for my, 
Go no, uh, no uh, Russian security services counted <laughs> in this. I, I know from my own Twitter account. Now, I I think I have probably like a hundred real followers, and I think the rest are just like old bot accounts from, you know, from back in the old days when they had like you know add this to get free coins in right. Clash Royale and things like that. It was like they had all sorts of weird stuff going on back in the day. So anyway, uh, but you can see here that there was a fairly significant um, growth. Now this growth is actually a little bit exaggerated because this isn't a scale from, you know, from, from zero to 120, they start from 120, So the growth seems more dramatic, but it has been kind of leveling off as you can see here. Um, and in terms of uh, one of the big differences as well, when we look at, let's say we're comparing Snap, which has had a lot of investor interest recently relative to uh, Twitter is the distribution of its users. And so we can see here that the distributions of users uh, as far as a demogra age demographic is more evenly split and as, as opposed to uh, Snapchat, where we can see here that Snapchat clearly skews much younger. And um, I don't know, did you have any other thoughts on Twitter before we talk about, about sort of the growth drivers and risks, Steve? Yeah, I have some thoughts. Um, okay. so, so Twitter underwent a long period of stagnation um, yeah. under the leadership of the previous CEO, Dick Costolo. Who frankly just didn't do a good job. Uh, yeah. Jack Dorsey uh, was a co-founder of Twitter, uh, and he stepped away for a long time. He came back in, uh, I think, five or six years ago now. Um, first as sort of an interim CEO after Costello left, uh, but then he became full-time CEO, right? Uh, and the user base started to grow again, um, but the growth has not caught up um, with its competitors, especially the new competitors, uh, right. like, um, you know, like uh, Snap and Pins, as we were talking about. Snap is at 500 million monthly active users, Pins about the same number. Twitter is at 320 million monthly active users. And this is funny because we, we think of Twitter as like ubiquitous. Everybody's on Twitter, everybody uses Twitter, especially after the last presidential administration, right, where policy was being made on Twitter. Right, incredibly powerful yeah. platform, right? But in fact, Twitter hasn't grown that much. It's grown well, but uh, yeah. in its competitive set, you know, it's kind of fallen into like fourth or fifth place, depending on how whether you consider Facebook and Instagram a single company or or two companies, right? Yeah, or two and properties. we are seeing it level off. So yeah, and we've seen it level level off. Um, and. Yeah, I think we can talk more about the revenue stuff uh, and, and the product leadership. Um, my big thing for Twitter is that Jack Dorsey is a part-time CEO. He's also yeah. CEO of Square, which is a very, very, very successful payments company um, right. for primarily brick and mortar stores, right? Uh, they, they do um, sort of uh, uh, reading your Apple Watch to buy stuff, for instance, payment solutions. Uh, I think that Square is valued twice as much as Twitter yeah. from a market cap perspective, right? Yeah, I think um, it's about 100 billion Square. Yeah, so so a little bit more than twice as much. So I think Jack Dorsey pays a little bit more than twice as much attention to Square. Actually, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I think that kind of plays into your earlier theme of like Twitter is perhaps not the best managed company or the tightest run ship. Right. 
uh, among yeah. its competitive set. And it's kind of like, it's kind of just a, like a wasting asset to a certain extent. Now, that's not to say that they're doing nothing. They're doing a lot of product experimentation, and we can get into that too. Um, but it's just, it's not as directed or as organized as it should be. And there's not enough intention behind what they're doing. Um, you know, when I look at those graphs, that's kind of what I think. Um, and, and like, I think the demographic stuff between Snap and Pins, like that's as clear as day. Like Snap has yeah. very much won the next generation. Uh, and, and Snap is kind of like, it's kind of millennials and Gen X, right? Uh, when yeah, I think about, I, when I think about Twitter. I, I totally agree with you. I think that for me, I see a lot of potential in Twitter. Like until, until like last year, I, I stopped using Twitter for, for years. Yeah. And I think it was more because I wanted to, to read Elon Musk's tweets that I got <laughs> back onto Twitter basically. But I do think that to your point where it does seem like costs are kind of getting out of control. It's not super well managed. I, I do think that potentially you've got lieutenants trying to run their own kind of fiefdoms within yep. Twitter, run, doing their own sort of initiatives. And we can talk about those, but I personally feel that that is one of the biggest knocks on Twitter is that there is, in my opinion, a leadership problem, that they do yep. need to get a full-time CEO. And as mu much as Jack Dorsey wants to be Elon Musk, there's only one Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Dorsey ain't it. He ain't it. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, look, I... You know, I mean, I, who, who knows if Elon Musk is even human, right? I mean, no, not, no knock on Jack Dorsey. I mean, he's done an incredible job, like, you know, like world-class job on Square, right? I mean- Absolutely. And, and but, he, he created Twitter too. I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. Like we shouldn't denigrate exactly. him, but like- Yeah, I, I, I can't I can't run the, two Fortune 500 companies at once. Like there's there are limits to human, you know, capacity. And I, yeah. I, I just think- that for me, Twitter without new leadership is probably, in, in my opinion, a big risk. And so I, while I do see some potential, maybe that's the next topic that we can talk about, Sure. that I think unless they do get that new leadership, I am personally not comfortable with investing. So yeah. let's, let's talk growth drivers and risks. So in terms of some of the initiatives that we're, we're seeing and that have publicly been commented about, uh, there's three, and then I'll, I'll talk about the, the fourth kind of opportunity, which is just my own speculation. But first, they bought this newsletter called Review, and so they call it Twitter Review, but it's basically kind of like Substack and the potential to monetize newsletters, essentially. And so for me, I feel like, you know, maybe that, like some people speculate that, you know, newsletters are going to get huge again. But if you look at Google Trends for Substack or Twitter Review or you know even top newsletters like Morning Brew, I mean yes it has grown and Substack in particular has grown quite a bit over the last year in terms of how it mm -hmm. trends. But I still think that this this has some potential to add to Twitter and it certainly makes sense when you have an existing uh, audience and followers in terms mm -hmm. of like that one to n like influencer to follower relationship, and then the ability to like write a newsletter, potentially monetize that audience. We've seen uh, influencers, guys like, you know, Anthony Pompliani, Pompliano Pomp, who mm -hmm. has both, I mean, this is the play, right? They've got a big Twitter audience and they have a newsletter and he uses Substack. And so that relationship makes sense. I assume that this could have the potential to add 
you know, substantially to their business. But, you know, for me, substantially would be more like that data part of their business, not the ad part of their business. So I view this as like lower potential upside, but certainly something that could be helpful. Now, they've also launched Twitter Spaces, which is a clone of Clubhouse. Now, it does seem that, you know, Clubhouse for a moment was pretty big, but I think what we've seen now is that the current instantiation, the current manifestation of the Clubhouse service as it is, is not the right long-term huge market cap creating yeah. service, right? Clubhouse, Clubhouse got, is actually kind of not doing as well as it was, right? Um, oh yeah, I, I, there's been a huge drop off. So yeah. the ability for Twitter spaces to add meaningfully to market cap and valuation, in my opinion, is also limited. I do think there is an outside opportunity that they can turn that into something bigger, but even then, I mean, that's not like a double your market cap type of opportunity, at, at least in my mind right now. Yeah. Um, I, 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 go ahead. Yeah, like when, when I'm thinking about companies that are great at cloning features, I don't think mm -hmm. of Twitter, right? I think of like really hyper-focused companies, particularly Facebook, right? That right. have the yeah. execution able to like back engineer something and like really get it down and take those features and try to drive them, right? Yeah. Um, which is what, having, what they did with have, uh, Instagram. Yeah, having said that, I do believe they moved pretty quickly on Twitter Spaces. And I think it was rumored that, or maybe it was already, it was publicly disclosed that they they actually offered $4 billion for Clubhouse, which I think oh. was uh, was pretty dumb. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, It's pretty um, dumb for Clubhouse not to take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. As it right, turns right. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, because, you know, I mean, at that point, like, you know, um, you know, offering four billion. Why not just offer offer four dollars to every user to join Twitter? <laughs> but anyway, well, I, PayPal, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think there's there's better uses of that of that money. So, and that that also just goes back to like you know, is 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 Twitter does it have the appropriate leadership in place to really make the right decisions and to help it grow? Mm -hmm. Which then leads us to the third point about IDFA deprecation. And mm -hmm. Steve, I thought you could speak to that because I know you took a quick look at, at this area as well. Yeah, this is a little complicated. And um, they talked a lot about it during the last quarterly earnings call. And they were trying to explain um, basically how their advertising business works and where they're trying mm -hmm. to go with it. So obviously Twitter is an ads business. We already talked about that. And it is uh, very heavily skewed towards brand advertising, which is not heavily targeted and does not involve measurement of a response, right? It's more like billboards uh, on the highway or uh, banner ads on the internet. Um, it's a little bit better than that on Twitter, but that's primarily what they're known for. Um, they have some yeah. real-time stuff associated with that because Twitter, uh, you know, leverages real-time data and um, fast follow on world events, right? So topics start trending and you can kind of ride on topics as an advertiser. That's one of their, I guess, their superpowers, um, if you will, as a, as a product. Um, the thing is, though, uh, they're trying to get to 50-50. Um, in terms of brand versus performance advertising or direct response advertising from what is currently 8515. So they have a long way to go. And when they talk about their 
performance ads or direct response business, um, a very, very big part of that is uh, MAP, which is mobile application promotion, right? Um, and this is uh, what drives Facebook's business as well, although Facebook is like very, very far ahead of Twitter uh, in this respect, uh, this part of the business. Um, and during their quarterly call, they mentioned that uh, IDFA deprecation, which we've brought up numerous times on this show, uh, as being uh, detrimental to performance advertising would actually help them, which doesn't make any sense until you realize that the vast majority of Twitter's customers had no data partner. They had no attribution provider. Um, so the fact that Apple is now doing attribution, even if it's kind of busted attribution, um, yeah. provides them with more data than they used to have. That's how far behind they were in product. <laughs> it's like they had no measurement capabilities. So uh, they would rely on customers to partner with a third-party measurement provider against Facebook, where you can install your own SDK uh, or Facebook's yeah. own SDK in your app. Uh, and Facebook would do that data uh, provision for you. They would do that measurement. Um, so Twitter is actually actually leaning on Apple to do this now, um, and it actually helps them. They're turning, uh, I guess you could call it a bug into a feature. Um, and oh. I'm a little bit skeptical about this because it's like, well, like that just goes to show how bad it was to begin with, right? Um, it's very difficult <laughs> to get like good right. mobile app promotion results out of Twitter. Um, you have to like really know what you're doing and spend a lot of time on the platform, spend a lot of money experimenting. Um, so. It's like, yeah, I guess that could help Twitter in a relative sense uh, based on where it was coming from uh, and also against Facebook because Facebook is going to be set back uh, as a result of IDFA deprecation. But I thought that was kind of interesting uh, in terms of like this actually being a growth driver for them because it is a growth inhibitor for everybody else in the competition, right? right? Yeah, so I think what we see are potentials for potential for contribution, like meaningful contribution from, you know, potentially, again, these are all call options here, as far as the newsletter, Twitter spaces, potentially, you know, tailwind from IDFA deprecation. But the one, I, the one opportunity I think could be a game changer for them has to do with this concept, uh, this crypto concept called a social token. And basically, uh, and, uh, and by the way, I'm going to link a talk that talks more specifically about social tokens, and it's explained pretty well by Richard Kim of Galaxy Interactive, which is you know one of the main players in terms of the crypto space. But kind of the high-level idea is, if you think about what is Twitter, it's basically a one-to-end connection between an influencer and their audience. Now, to date, no one has really kind of provided like a great infrastructure for influencers to monetize their audience. But there is this concept called a social token. And that I think that Twitter can kind of become this, the center of. And so if they provide their Twitter influencers a way of monetizing, supporting their audience and being able to monetize different different things that, that the influencers create and distribute to their audience, that that might be something that's actually very, very valuable. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so I think that high level, this, in my opinion, if they were to go into this space, 
that that would be something that has a more meaningful impact. But if I were to kind of look at the overall risk profile of Twitter, in my opinion, I would say that the potential, like the, the potential for Twitter to just kind of stagnate and go sideways relative to, you know, cleaning up the leadership relative to like figuring out some of this other stuff, relative to like their costs going out of control. I, I think the, the you know, not, not necessarily the downside risk, but the sideways risk is much higher than the upside risk, I agree uh, the you. upside potential in my, in my opinion. Yeah, so but, go ahead, sorry. Oh, the one other thing I would say is that, and one of the reasons why I feel more strongly in terms of why would I think Twitter would do something like a social token? Because if you look on the square side, they have been really thinking about crypto a lot. Like Jack Dorsey's been a big proponent mm -hmm. of Bitcoin. The whole reason they bought Tidal, and Tidal is like a music service that's competitive to Spotify, for example, is because they saw the potential of creating NFTs, non-fungible tokens created by by Tidal artists to sell to their audience. So this whole notion of artists to audience, influencer to audience, and the ability to monetize in that way has already existed. And again, I'll leave a link for people who want to dig more into the details of how this could potentially work and things of that nature uh, in the show notes. That's very interesting. Yeah, that, that you would put two and two together like that. Yeah, Dorsey is for sure a major crypto proponent. He thinks that Bitcoin, quote unquote, uh, makes everything better. There's some, some quote like that he was recently quoted. Mm -hmm. um, and Square, I believe, holds Bitcoin on its balance sheet, nowhere near as much as like Tesla or MicroStrategy, but they have some. Uh, and right. you know they've weathered this, the latest storm of uh, FUD <laughs> uh, surrounding environmental stuff and, and regulation and so on. So that's, that's potentially interesting. I will also say that as far as um, social tokens or, or influencer monetization goes, uh, Twitter is currently experimenting with a tip jar feature. Right, right. Where, where uh, you can you can basically tip people for funny tweets. Maybe they're proving out that concept uh, to to see whether they can do something with social tokens, um, leveraging title or or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I when I look at Twitter, I see them throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall in an unstructured way. Right. Um, I don't yeah. necessarily see a growth strategy. I don't see an execution strategy. Um, I don't see you know, uh, like a coherent plan, um, they should pick like one or two things and just yeah. go all out, right? They should pick like, you know, there was some talk in the quarterly uh, quarterly call about e-commerce, right? Uh, influencers being able to sell stuff on the Twitter platform and, and like basically uh, have the platform facilitate the entire transaction and maybe bring in Square technology there. That makes a ton of sense, right? That could right. add major value, but they're doing all this other stuff too at the same time. And I just think Dorsey is pulled in a dozen different directions. He's not Elon Musk. And as you yeah. said earlier, like he probably has key lieutenants all advocating for their own initiatives and acquisitions, right? Um, and that's that's just not what I'm personally looking to invest in. Yeah. And by the way, pure speculation on our side. But And of, of course, as we said earlier, mad respect for Jack Dorsey, huge fan, but Jack, you're human. Yeah. <laughs> He's human, right? Go to like, Square. Go to Square. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he will cover Square, and that's that's an incredible story, right? The yeah. Square story is ridiculous. Yeah, He's they've done, done really well. Job on Square. The, the thing is, though, like, yeah, he he's done an he, like he's done a better job than the last guy, but he hasn't done a great job, right? 
Um, but he's yeah. he's now been an interim CEO essentially for six years. That's not very interim. Um, yeah. I think that if the board were going to get rid of him, they would have done it already. Uh, it's probably a fake board, just like Facebook has, right? You know, yeah. he probably runs the board, and he's just he's just hanging out. He's chilling. He wants to be there. And as long yeah, as he's I, there and his attention's divided, like nothing's going to get done. Yeah. And I mean, I think the reality is, is that, you know, when you're a billionaire and at that level, I mean, there's, there's always ego, right? So he sure, probably, yeah. he's, he's like, he's like looking, looking at Elon. He's like looking at himself. He's like, I'm as good as Elon. I can <laughs> Well, uh, Dorsey does a lot of like meditation retreats and, you know, he's, he's trying to like kill his ego proactively. And that just tells me that his ego yeah. is enormous. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, I, from, from what I know, like, I, I'm sure he's an incredible human being. And yeah, so, he seems I mean, like a really good not, guy. Not to, yeah. not to throw too much shade on him, but yeah, he is human. He's done an incredible job on square, but I think Twitter needs new leadership. It needs yeah. to get tightened down it, to your point needs a focus strategy. And at that point, I would seriously consider investing, especially if they were able to, outline a strategy around influencer audience monetization mm -hmm. that kind of story that kind of strategy to me would get me really excited and would want me to like invest in that kind of innovation yeah i think that would make a lot of sense and you're right there's a lot of latent potential here it's just gone sideways mm -hmm. basically since inception <laughs> yeah and and by the way like as far as like we saw facebook losing share Right. Mm -hmm. And as far as like a place to have discussions, there's some things about Twitter that could be cleaned up. There's some things about Twitter that could be improved. And what I do know, in my opinion, the the lack uh, the 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 loss of market share by Facebook points to an opportunity where it's it, there there flows, right? There flows of attention, there's flows of people, people who aren't they're either aging out of Facebook or they want to go somewhere else. And in a case like mine, like Facebook is just like, doesn't make any sense for me anymore. It's, it's too boring, too old. And like, I'm not, I'm not going to TikTok. So like, you know, where am I supposed to go? So to some degree, there's an opportunity here where they could capture more share, where they could capture the flows of attention, the flows of different types of people that aren't being served by Facebook, but they're not capturing that opportunity. Again, it goes back to leadership. Without the right leadership, Twitter, in my opinion, isn't going to go anywhere. Yeah, I don't think so. And and I and also think- As soon as it happens, though, I, I, I definitely want to take another look and see talk about investing. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, for me, I think Twitter, like the core product, um, you either love it or you hate it. Um, the people mm -hmm. that love it, uh, are among the most engaged users anywhere on the internet. Their engagement level is like insane. They're totally addicted and they yeah. fuel the yeah. platform, right? Um, but I think the platform also alienates a lot of people. I'm one of them. I hate Twitter. Like I'll never use it. Okay. Um, because I just think it's filled with garbage and it uh, abets uh, some really like counterproductive things uh in society yeah, and, yeah. and around the world but that i think that's the part of the user experience and the product that needs to be tightened up yeah it could be and, but it's it's also yeah. like it's also inimical you know to like the core thesis which is i want to broadcast to as many people as possible and get them talking for me right and like it's an incredibly yeah. powerful propaganda tool as we've seen um yeah and uh you know uh donald trump's removal from the twitter platform i think uh, really 
like the the results of that were so decisive and so immediate. I think people looked at that and they were like, "Wow, like this is a that was a big deal. Like this is the you know yeah. of all well, the problems that he's had, that's the biggest one, right?" Yeah, but let's 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 talk about that in terms of the key risks and government regulation. So right. That that would be what the other risk in terms of downside potential. Like I, you know, so for me, I I believe that there's more sideways potential, but in terms of potential downside, there could be some government regulation, right, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in this in this country, right? Um, you know, there's a movement afoot to make platforms more responsible for the speech that occurs uh, yeah. on the platform. Uh, we'll see kind of where that shakes out. I think um, there's impetus for that on both the left and the right. <laughs> it's one of the few things that the, you know, that both both aisles agree with, um, albeit for completely different reasons. Um, that's, that's one possibility. Um, in other countries, including countries that are moving in a more authoritarian direction, um, there are increased efforts to rein in or crack down on Twitter. Um, an example of this uh, would be the Indian government actually cracking down on Twitter very right. recently um, because right. uh, there's been some activity uh, uh, that that are are critical uh, that is critical of um, yeah pertaining to the labeling of posts by uh, senior right so Twitter has started labeling posts as misinformation uh, in India from the ruling party <laughs> mm. and uh, they did that in this country right and the cops did not visit Twitter. We're not there yet. In India, the cops are now visiting Twitter, right? Right. Um, right. And that's obviously India is not the United States, but mm -hmm. India is also the largest single polity in the world um, yeah. and the largest, you know, putative democracy. So when that starts happening, you're like, well, that's a big chunk of humanity, right? If Twitter gets kicked out of India for any length of time or, or otherwise right. impeded, that's not great for them. Um, right. And it's because it's so powerful. Right, they need it to do yeah. what they want it want them to do, basically. Um, and if Twitter doesn't behave, then they're going to get cracked down upon. If Twitter does behave, then Twitter is no longer independent. It becomes a mouthpiece in India for the ruling party, right? And that right. obviously inhibits growth in a, in a different way. So, right. So I, I would say, again, we're not investment advisors, but my own personal take on Twitter would be to hold. Just to watch how, like the government regulatory stuff plays out, you know, watch how the the services like Review, you know, and um, the Clubhouse, Twitter Spaces, uh, that stuff plays out. You can kind of watch to see how their advertising revenue is impacted by IDFA deprecation. But for me, ultimately, what I would really want to watch for is if there is a leadership change, and you know, watch this video, learn about social tokens. If they start making moves in that direction, I would definitely get very interested again in trying to invest into Twitter. Makes sense. Yeah, for my part, um, I'm long Snap. I went big into Snap two or three weeks ago, <laughs> pretty recently. Okay. Um, and Snap is another product that I don't like and don't understand, um, to be to be honest, perfectly <laughs> honest with you. But I think it's a lot okay. less destructive than Twitter. I think it's a far better managed company. That was not always the case. Um, Evan Spiegel um, was not the, not a great CEO for a long time, but apparently he's worked really hard at improving. And he see, like that company has focus clearly um, because it's it's outgrowing all of its competition, um, and it's posted frankly spectacular results recently. Um, so 
I, I wanted on that bandwagon and I hopped on and so far so good. Uh, as long as I'm holding Snap, yeah. I see no reason to hold any other social networks. Yeah, the Snap story is pretty amazing, especially after Instagram stories. I was like, uh-oh. Yeah, right. <laughs> this, this, this could hurt pretty bad. Yeah, but, but they managed to like work through yeah. that. Uh, not in a way right. that I understand again, but like the results speak yeah. for themselves. They're monetizing really yeah. well. They're growing. So yeah, definitely kudos to the Snap team and Evan Spiegel. I mean, definitely yeah. have done a good job. Yep, I agree. All right. Well, I think that's basically it. That's it for Super Stonk Brothers number 12. Until next time, everybody, catch you next week. Bye. See you next time. Bye.